Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited-time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited-time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hello, America, and happy Friday. A very special edition today. It's very often that you get an hour to hang out with one of our political elected leaders, somebody on the front lines of the presidential race. Uh, President Trump has done it several times. We're always grateful for that. Over the last couple of days, I got to spend an hour with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in Tallahassee at his campaign headquarters. No questions are off limits. We had a really strong policy discussion about the Fed, about the economy, about China and the military, about wokeism in the military and its impact on military recruitment. Of course, Ron DeSantis, one of the few people in the race with a military service record. So many of the politicians today don't have it, at least not in the presidential race. It's a very thoughtful conversation. And what we wanted to do, we did it for the television show. I want to adapt it for the podcast so you can hear what he says, why he wants to ban a central bank digital currency and why he thinks it will lead to invasions of privacy and freedom in America, why he would like to rein in the authority of the Fed, what he thinks of Binomics, what he thinks about Chris Ray and how you would go about reforming the Justice Department. Oh, what sort of attorney general he wants to appoint? He told me he wants someone that would alienate or upset the New York Times and Washington Post. That's interesting. You really get a sense of the policy and the person in this interview. And I just wanted to make it available for you today. Important sit-down interview with Ron DeSantis. He's in second, and some polls now falling to third. He's very popular in Florida. And I wanted you to hear his policies, his ideas, and what he would do if he were elected president. We're going to try to do these often. We've done President Trump. I think we'll do another one soon with him. And we'll also do a, a really great opportunity for Vivek Ramaswamy coming up. And of course, we did Nikki Haley already. We're trying to get all of the candidates to sit with us. And I think that would be great. All right. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Oh, by the way, folks, remember, if you go to ekpure.com, E-K-P-U-R-E.com, you'll get $150 savings if you order one of the great EnviroCleanse air cleaners. These are military-grade, hospital-grade air cleaners. Good enough to be on Navy ships, good enough to be in the hospital. They have a very special offer. If you go to ek pair.com and use promo code just news you'll get 10% off the purchase that's a big savings you'll get free shipping that's a big savings and you'll get a free air quality monitor that will show you what pollutants and other things are in your house and how they change as you put the EnviroCleanse air cleaner to work air purifier to work I use mine for the last month it has been game changing this is normally my miserable time of the season for allergies and summer the air conditioning trapping in a lot of the pollutants in the house I am sleeping better feeling better and I don't have the normal sinus pressure I have. I really do attribute it to the day I started using my EnviroCleanse. I don't endorse many products, but this one has made me and my wife feel better. It's a very noticeable difference. So go to ekpure.com, use the promo code JUSTNEWS, let EnviroCleanse know you appreciate them supporting Just the News. If you want to take a real effort at improving your health, your breathing health, go to ekpure.com. It's really a great, great gift all around. All right, folks, we'll be back in a moment with my interview, exclusive interview with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, now a 2024 Republican presidential candidate, right after these messages. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite. 
you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. Governor, thank you for joining us today. Welcome to Tallahassee. It's great to be here. It's been a while since I've been here, but yeah. it's, uh, it's been great. Um, I want to start because I think Americans have seen a lot of coverage in the news media trying to define what's going on in your campaign, what you've done right, what you've done wrong. <laughs> I want to hear from you, and I know our Americans want to hear, what do you think is going on? What's the reboot really about? Well, it's really about just focusing on what matters, which is these early states. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, I've been saying publicly, this isn't a national campaign. It's a state by state. Right. And so that's the commander's intent. And our organization needs to reflect my intent. And so now we're doing that. Uh, so we're going to be lighter at the headquarters, but we're going to start adding more people in the early states. The fields, yeah. Yeah. And then there's been a lot of talk about donors, small donors. That's a big focus for you now, right? Well, we, we've done well across yeah. the board. I mean, in the second quarter, I was only a, a candidate for five and a half weeks, right. and we that's raised right. more than Biden and Trump to their campaigns yeah. and more than any other candidate. And that's a combination of a variety of types of donors. And so yeah, we've had a lot of support there, continue to have a lot of success there. You know, it's just part of politics. It it's uh, not something that is necessarily always the funnest thing that, to, to be doing, uh, but it's just something that, uh, that that's required. Yeah, puts fuel in the jet, there's yeah. no doubt. That's it. Um, the president is going around right now, President Joe Biden, uh, talking about Bidenomics. Most Americans don't know what Bidenomics is, but they don't seem to like what it is. Where has this president gone wrong with his economy and how would you change it? What's, the, what's your approach and how it differs? Well, Bidenomics is basically you pay more for everything and then he tries to tell you that you're better off when you're not, when your standard of living is going down. Ultimately, what Biden's doing, look, I think he's just the figurehead for this. I think there's people in the White House pushing yeah. is they view the economy as a tool for them to advance their left wing agenda. And that means the average person, you know, you're going to pay more for energy, you're going to pay more for groceries because that's what's necessary for them to further their agenda. Now, the way I look at economic policy is, OK, what kind of society do we want to have? Yeah, it's about dollars and cents to a certain extent, but it's also about what kind of society. And for me, the type of economy I want is where if you work hard, if you get the most out of your God-given ability as an American, you're going to do good. And right now, the people that are going about it the right way, that are working hard, they're falling further behind. Meanwhile, you have a lot of cronyism because right. of Biden's programs. Uh, you know, he's aligned with some of the most powerful companies in the world. He's very deferential to the Chinese Communist Party. That is not uh, what's in the best interest of the average American. And just think about what we just came through with COVID. 
you know, the elites wanted the COVID lockdowns. Yeah. What did that do? It decimated small businesses, decimated individuals, families, um, uh, kids that couldn't get to school. Now in Florida, we fought back against that and did very well. But in the states that followed that, um, there was a massive transfer of wealth oh, from working people to Google and yeah. Amazon and all that. And, you know, a lot of these elites, they think they did a good job to this day with that. Yep. And they didn't. So Biden, he didn't care about the average person. What he cares about is being able to use the economy to advance his agenda. Um, there's an amazing story, Abed, in the Wall Street Journal today that I think really puts in perspective what really happened here. It's a really remarkable story when you go through it. Uh, we came out of this pandemic and it seems like we really don't have a public health strategy anymore. When you get in, if you're president, what will you do to try to get public health confidence back in it and get a plan? So if there's a p- pandemic or some other major health crisis, we're much better prepared than we were this last well, time. Well, we need a reckoning for the people that did these policies yeah. from Fauci on down. They were wrong. And they were wrong disastrously so. There was massive damage that was done to this country. We still have people that are out of the workforce who've not come back in. It dislocated supply chains. It dislocated labor pool. It ruined small businesses. Kids had learning loss for that'll last a generation, if you think about it, when you take a kid out of school for a year now. And nobody's been held accountable. So we're going to have a reckoning for CDC, NIH, FDA, and then FDA. They're approving on an emergency basis, mRNA COVID jab for six month old babies. There was no data to support that. There was no benefit shown to that. And so they did it. So they failed across the board. And what I saw here, because I battled them on almost everything. I mean, the CDC would attack me when I do. They were pursuing a political agenda. And the politics and the narrative was more important to them than the, than the evidence and the science. CDC's trotting out this stuff. It was not based in evidence. It was not based in science. So we're going to come in. We are going to clean house in those agencies. Uh, and there's going to be a new sheriff in town. Yeah. You've done a lot to try to create accountability at the federal level in Florida. You did some extraordinary work with some grand juries about what went on with uh, young children in the immigration crisis. You've got one now looking at some of the issues with the pandemic. What are some of the learnings? What are some of the things you saw as governor or that you're learning from these investigations that will drive what you're going to do to change the health structure? Obviously, you need to make a leadership change, but probably structural changes, too. Have you learned anything about? Without without question. I mean, first of all, just as governor dealing with with this the power of the pharmaceutical companies that they exert over the healthcare system yeah. and over physicians, Huge. Uh, and it is totally unhealthy for our society, uh, how they basically control the FDA right. because there's a revolving door, how some of these people in the bureaucracy get royalties for different things. It is a swamp. You want to talk about draining the swamp, like where you start is medical. It is a yeah. total disaster. So, so I saw that firsthand. Now we did, so what we did in Florida, I have the ability to petition for a statewide grand jury right. with the Florida Supreme Court. So they did it on the illegal immigration. They've been covered a lot on oh, child trafficking, really, really, I mean, good yeah. investigative stuff, but yeah. very terrible uh, policy and substance that come yeah. out of that. So on the COVID stuff, you know, what we said is, People were told, if you take these jabs, you won't get COVID. That was a lie. They were told you there was no side effects. We know there have been side effects, myocarditis and all this stuff. So they have been impaneled. They've been hearing testimony. I'm not involved in it because it's a secret process. But a statewide grand jury in Florida, yes, they can bring, they can recommend charges against people. But what they can also do is issue these reports. So they have not yet issued one on the COVID stuff. But I'd imagine from, from hearing from people who were called to testify, they're actually calling people that have had adverse reactions uh, to the COVID-19 jab. So I think that they're going to be able to show, wait a minute, uh, these companies knew that they're, and just think about it, it makes sense, right? If you watch a normal commercial on TV, the first 15 seconds is like the happy couple, oh, isn't this drug great? Then the next 15 seconds is you could die, you could have a stroke, and they list list. all the side effects, but yet somehow... This MNRA shot, which was not studied for very long, doesn't have any side effects. And that's what they were telling us. If anyone even asked a question, they were basically lampooned as being some conspiracy theorist. But people are looking at it and they're like, you know what? Um, I'm not sure about this. And especially the people that were low risk. I mean, that the mandates were terrible, period. But they were literally forcing college students in some places, not in Florida because we banned the mandates. But in other parts of the country, they're requiring college students, 18, 19 year old kids 
to get a shot that they don't need. Right. And in some cases, maybe where it would be more risky to them uh, than COVID, I'd say probably for a lot of the, certainly the young men with the myocarditis. Yeah. So we're going to hopefully get some good answers on that. So I would just tell people, stay tuned. There's likely going to be a report coming at some point this year, and there may be more. Uh, profit, was that driving a lot of this? Were there people just cashing in on the pandemic? Of course. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable how that's going. And that's the thing. I think if you look at like the, the laws, some of the laws that have been passed, you have the vaccine no liability right. for vaccine, basically. And, yeah. the, and the problem with that is, you know, on the one hand, I don't want frivolous litigation. But on the other hand, their incentive is just to get it to as many people and make as much money as possible. What you want from a drug company is improve people's health. Definitely. That should be yeah. what, the, what the incentive is. And instead, a lot of it is how much money you make. So they're, they're pushing the, the, the Pfizer shots on people. And obviously Pfizer made billions of dollars as a result of that. Based on the data from, from COVID, there was never a basis to say that that should have gone to people that were like under 40. No way. Even if, even if it, even if it had worked, which it didn't, if it had worked a hundred percent, like they said, you still wouldn't give it to an 18 year old kid. Data doesn't support it. Um, you've done a lot and blazed away, I'd say, in giving parents here in Florida transparency into the education system. The medical system relies on informed consent as well. Are there things that you're thinking about doing to make sure patients get more informed from uh, these providers before they're submitted to these sort of treatments and, and uh, drugs? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I believe it informed consent across the board. Right. I mean, that's how it should be. Uh, there needs to be more transparency. And I'll tell you, there the patient in our healthcare system has just gotten lost. That should be the center of the healthcare system. It's yeah. all about helping a patient do better. And now it's big pharma, big insurance, big government. And it's almost like the average person, just a cog uh, that, that's not the center of attention. So we need to do that. But part of that is recognizing how much power some of those other entities have. One of the things doctors have said, we've interviewed a lot of them, that the way Florida kept the doctor-patient relationship intact when other states obliterated, basically said, doctor, you can't do what you think is best for your oh, patient. Yeah. That was a major change here. There seems to be that's a big opportunity to maybe spread that philosophy nationwide again. It used to be that way. And the thing is, like with some of the treatments for COVID, you know, early on, people were doing the hydroxychloroquine. Right. So I got a bunch and I started handing them. He yeah. was so mad oh, at me. My gosh. And the yeah. thing about it was like at that time, I did not know if it worked, right. but I know people used it. It wasn't like you were going to die from right. it. So people did use it for other things. And yet there was this, this huge outcry against it. And the same thing with the ivermectin. And, and, you know, these are generic. It's very cheap, right? right? And I think that part of it was if people thought that there was something that was uh, effective treatment, they would have been less likely to do uh, to do the shots. And so I think the, the money was driving that too, because it's like, okay, you know, the worst you would say about that is, okay, it didn't work. It's like a placebo, right? But they were acting like if you took hydroxychloroquine, you were going to die. That just wasn't true. So I was getting lampooned at the time. And my thing is like, look, I don't know. I'm a governor. Okay. Um, uh, but if a doctor believes this is the right thing to do, I believe patients have a right to try in that situation, especially once they've been infected with COVID. If they want a treatment, if you're vulnerable, that could be all the difference in the world. And yeah. it seemed like the medical establishment was trying to clamp down on that. And that's another thing that was so frustrating about this. You have a, you have a new virus come, you know, uh, winter, spring of, of 2020. Okay. Shouldn't treating it have been like the top priority? And instead, so. they were like telling you, don't go outside, right. lock down and all that. But it had already spread enough. By by April 1st, we knew it had spread enough to where a oh, lockdown yeah. was not going not to stop happen. it. And so at that point, it's like, OK, you know, we need to learn to live with this thing. But why weren't they focused more on treatment? Yeah. And it was all about, you know, the warp speed and all that stuff. I think the medical profession really let us down. In fact, when I did... Um, the monoclonal antibody clinics, because you had, uh, you know, you had this massive wave, even after the vaccines oh, were out yeah. there, the vaccines weren't working. So it's like, okay, you need to treat. So I set up these clinics where people could go and they right. were affected. It was very effective. I mean, people would say they felt like they were on their deathbed. They'd take it next right. day. It felt good. So it was good. A lot of the doctors in Florida didn't know what monoclonal antibodies were. I'd have these people, I'd say, I saw, I saw you at the press conference. I, I asked my doctor, he's like, I don't know what that is. And so it's like, what is the medical community doing? And some people say, because if you have a treatment that impacts emergency use and all this stuff, you know, I don't know if that was the reason, but literally there was almost no emphasis on treating this. And the thing they did treat it, uh, and once you're already in the hospital, they use the, um, 
um, you know what it was. It, it didn't work. Well, yeah, yeah the, oh God, yeah. you know what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah, well, someone yeah. will look it up. Yeah, yeah. that's a, it's but a, it, it was uh, it, it, you went in and Fauci said that was the standard of care right. um, at the time. And I'll tell you, I don't think it had any no, positive didn't. impact no. at all. Remdesivir. Remdesivir. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. Yeah, Standard care. So, you know, when, when right? he said that, you know, I was like, OK, well, I want that in Florida if it's something that works. And then after six months, you looked at the data. There was not any 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 uh, any None. benefit. And, and I think there were some side effects. Oh, too. yeah. No, there clearly are now. They've been recognized. All right, folks, do go any more more with our exclusive interview with Ron DeSantis right after these messages. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, Add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a healthcare provider. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote, it's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Just News. Uh, I want to get to China. You're maybe the only candidate in the race that has a military background. You've served. Yep. Uh, China is clearly the emerging threat. Joe Biden's insistent otherwise, uh, to the contrary. Um, what do we do to get uh, a handle on China's fast growth in the, in the world and its influence, uh, particularly on the supply chain, but also on the security side? So China is a threat to this country. Anyone that thinks otherwise is just has their head in the sand. Xi Jinping, he's the most ideological Chinese leader since Mao. Wow. He's yeah. got very significant ambitions uh, beyond China's border. They want to supplant the United States uh, as the world's leading superpower. And here's why I think it's a challenge, because it, go back to after World War II with the Cold War. We had Soviet U.S., right? But the Soviet Union's economy was a fraction of our economy. Yeah. We had a much better economy. So it was an ideological confrontation, you know, somewhat military in a sense of the mutually assured destruction and potential right. nuclear standoff. But we absolutely head and shoulders above them economically. President Reagan figured that out. He did the defense buildup, basically bankrupted them and ended the Cold War. Um, China, not only is their economy much stronger and much closer to ours, we are dependent on their economy thanks to policies over the last 20, 30 years, most yep. favored nation status, putting them in the World Trade Organization. If you go back when that was justified, 99, 2000, 
the things that the elites were saying would happen, they were wrong on everything. And so they said, you know, this will make China because, you know, they were basically saying, look, Japan got wealthier and they became, you know, peaceful, democratic. But that is not what happened with China. China plowed that into military and they have the second strongest military in the world now. They've become more repressive uh, as they've been wealthier. And so now we're in a situation We've got an almost peer competitor who very well may pass us economically in the next decade if we don't get our act together uh, with a strong military, but one in which we are dependent on them because of these policy choices for things that are really important to our country. So what we need to do is we need a declaration of economic independence from China. And that's something that will need to be done methodically and needs to be done thoughtfully. But you just can't go where they are responsible for things that we really need. And so that's going to, you know, involve, um, you know, you know, a very thorough approach, but that has to be done. And these corporations really need to understand that they're taking on huge amount of risk uh, by going over in in there. And, um, you know, I, I criticize them, but I also do acknowledge if you go back at the beginning of this, this, this experiment, a lot of U.S. policymakers were telling the corporations to go over there, which was a huge mistake. So that's the economic. So our, our, um, the threat of China is much more economic than the threat to the Soviet Union during the Cold War. And then military, we have to be able to project hard power in the yeah. Indo-Pacific. They are not going to want to do something like invade Taiwan if they see the United States, Japan, Korea. If they see that power there, uh, they're going to take the path of least resistance. On Biden's path, my fear is, is that the weakness he's showing is going to lead us to getting into a war with China in the future that we will lose. So we definitely need to do more in the Indo-Pacific from a military perspective. Do you like the idea of building a NATO-like organization in the Pacific, building on the Quad, which started and got revived, I guess, under Trump, but started under Bush? Is that the way or are there other ways that you would like to approach it? Well, I do like the Quad. And I think that um, Japan, they recognize the threat. They're building up their defenses. The Koreans are getting along with the Japanese. They never used to get along because they both see that. Um, India, you know, like, Biden gives them grief for like having a relation with Russia. Like, OK, fine. I don't love that. But like, it's more important that they're with us on China. And I think they will be. And so we would want to do that. And Australia and then some of the other allies. The difference in NATO, though, is that this should be U.S. led and, and, and it should be based on U.S. interests, whereas NATO is like we write the check for everything. But Someone it's more about the, like globalism yeah, and all this yeah. other stuff. And look, those NATO allies are they're good allies for Europe, but they don't see eye to eye with us on China. Some of them don't. Yeah. So I think it's I think we should have an alliance. I think it should, should operate a little bit different than NATO. Yeah, interesting. Um, one of the things that we see China doing is trying to develop a digital currency. Uh, there's some BRIC countries trying to develop their own now. Uh, where are you on the digital currency uh, movement and what would you do as president either to foster it or to set it aside? What I do as president is on day one, central bank digital currency dies in this country. I think it's a huge threat to freedom. I think it's a huge threat to privacy because ultimately what they want to do is they want to get rid of cash. They want to get rid of cryptocurrency and they want this Fed monitored central bank digital currency to be the you have to use it basically. And people at like the World Economic Forum, you know, they're like, you know, like, oh, Oh, my gosh, they're excited excited about it. And they've said it publicly like, oh, that will allow them to block what they consider to be undesirable purchases, like too much fuel. Right. So if you have a Ford F-150, you may be using too much fuel. They just won't let the transaction go through. Maybe you're buying too much ammunition. Maybe you're doing all this stuff. You know, there are and basically what they would want to do is like a social credit um, uh, system and they can impose that once they have control over the currency in that way. So cash is king. It gives you independence. So we cannot go down that road. And the thing is, is there are times government does something where it's kind of like a wolf dressed up in sheep's clothing. So some people may think it's benign. This CBDC, this is a wolf showing up as a wolf. If you uh, if you have any any sense about what these people are up to, you know that this is something. So in Florida, because what the Fed has been saying is, well, ideally we would get uh, authorization from Congress. No, that's not ideal. No, you have required, to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think they may launch something unilaterally or yeah. maybe preparing. I'll be able to shut that down as president. But in the meantime, we enacted a statute that I signed a couple months ago no CBDC recognized in Florida. Because I think if they were to do it unilaterally, I don't think they have the authority to do that. That would not trump the state at that point. Now, if Congress did it, it would trump the state. But I don't think Congress would enact it. I think that there's going to be too much pushback. But bottom line is people that, you know, want to make sure they have their ability to do cryptocurrency and all that and don't want CBDC, just know if I'm president, you don't have to worry about it anymore.
What about the Fed? A lot of people say, hey, it keeps allowing banks to fail. We don't find out until the failure is almost there. Uh, they were slow. A lot of people would argue to get inflation down. It was obvious what oh. you need to do. Uh, do you have some ideas for reforming the Fed? Yeah, the Fed should simply maintain price stability. They are not an economic central planner. They need to stop trying to micromanage the economy. If you go back, so you had the financial crisis, and then the Fed does this quantitative yeah, easing, right? right? And that was supposed to be kind of like a, an aberration, a crisis thing. It's but the then that now. became the norm. Yeah. The, prob- the problem with quantitative easing is the people that have assets, they that inflates their assets. So they do very well, people at the top. Average people, they have had suboptimal economic uh, results um, as a result of that. And so I think it's been a total disaster. And then what they did with COVID by printing all that money that Congress was spending, you knew there was going to be inflation. I mean, Milton Friedman said, if you do that, you're going to have an 18 to 20 months, you're going to have inflation. It's just a fact of life. How could you print money out of thin air and not have an economic consequence? So everyone knew that that was likely to happen. Congress did. They did the the CARES Act, two trillion in March of 2020. Then they did 2.2 trillion December of 2020. Right. Biden did two trillion with his American Rescue Plan. Yeah. He did the infrastructure, all that stuff. And so, meanwhile, this whole time, the Fed's saying inflation's transitory. Well, then it took off. So now they've been hiking rates. We know the rates are the highest they've been in over 20 years. And the Fed has totally mismanaged this, I think, from the from the post-financial crisis, but certainly with COVID, major, major failure about how they handled this. And it's hurt average people uh, who now you can't even afford a home. The median income in this country, uh, if you look at what the median income is and then compare it to the median home price with an interest rate as high as it is, it doesn't work. It doesn't, it, no. it doesn't work. And, no. and that's the thing. It's like if people can't afford a home, if they can't afford a car, that's not a good economy for people. Uh-huh. How are you going to live the American dream? So we are going to rein in the Fed. Like, I mean, I support auditing the Fed and all yeah. that stuff. Right. Rein it in. Maintain stable prices. You are not the king of the hill here with respect to our economy. And part of the reason is, you know, central planning just doesn't work. But it's also they're not accountable to anybody. Why would you want somebody that's not accountable to the electorate to have that much power over your your lives, liberty and property? And so they need to be reined in. um, And I think we just need stable prices um, and, and go from there. Where do you go in cutting the monstrosity of the federal government? It is monstrous. It has grown in the last 20 years more than it is in the rest of our country's time. Do you have some places in the government where you say, you know, I can clip that now and I can start saving money? Where do you well, go? look, I mean, um, I will go much more than Congress would be willing to go. That's so right. like, yeah. you know, we're going to push Congress to reduce and I'm going to get as much as I can. But think about this. The government, the agencies have grown 50 percent just since 2019. Do you feel 50% better off as an American Uh, for that? No, of course not. So at a minimum, they need to take back government to what it was pre-COVID 2019. That would save you probably over a 10-year period, trillions of dollars. Um, And so but that, to me, would be the bare minimum place to start. Do that. Um, And then there's other things you can eliminate. I'm all for doing doing that. Um, And I think that that's a good thing. But I'll tell you this. Reagan said the closest thing to eternal life on earth is a government bureau. And it's like, I remember being in Congress, we'd vote to cut spending. We had Republican majorities. We'd get 100 votes, 150 votes. You couldn't get 218 to do it. So, but I think what I would be, though, I could say, you know, I'll be the first president really since Ronald Reagan to lean in against a spendthrift Congress. I'll be willing to veto spending bills um, and hold them accountable for what they're doing. But but we definitely need a major reduction. Let's reset this baseline for the budget. um, And then let's Let's make sure this is something that is achievable. So that's that's one thing. The other thing is just from a budget perspective, we've had anemic economic growth in this yeah. country. So if you have 1% growth through the rest of the decade, you're not going to solve these nope. budget problems. We need to get to at least 3% growth. Uh, I think that that's an attainable target. It's not attainable with Biden's bureaucracy choking everything down and him trying to kneecap our domestic energy. But if you liberate our domestic energy, we're energy independent. If you get the bureaucracy off the back, there's some other things that you do. You know, we have an opportunity to get that growth rate up. And that will be a huge thing if we can achieve that. What are some of the things that you would do beyond shrinking government? Are there tax cuts? Are there other incentives that you would like to get out there to roar this comedy back to life because it has really been sputtering along. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest drag on the economy is the administrative state and the bureaucracy. And yes, I mean, I want lower taxes. I'll go as far as we can on that. Right. But when I talk to small business people, I almost never hear about that. I hear about 
the growth of government yeah. and what government's doing to choke off their ability to just uh, run their businesses the way they see fit. And the bureaucratic state, the administrative state, that gives an advantage to the big guys because the big guys can handle it. They've yeah. got lawyers, accountants. Thousands of compliance it's those departments. Small, yeah. small businesses, medium-sized businesses. So getting that off um, in, in addition to the energy, that is going to be a huge, huge thing. The Fed getting that reined in, right. I think is very important. Reducing federal spending, very, very important. We also got to look at, okay, we have what we need to do January of 2025, but you know, I want to make sure we're ahead of China for the next decade. You know, how do you do that? One of the things I think we need to do more of is R&D through the Defense Department. Uh, when you look at some of the weapon systems that yeah. China's trying to do, we got to get ahead of that. What ends up happening with that is there are uh, discoveries that get spun off because you're doing research, cutting edge research about weapon system that would not be viable in the private sector. No. And so you're not trying necessarily to find these other things, but you end up doing a lot of the technologies we enjoy started with defense-based R&D. So I'm going to do more of that because I think we need it to make sure maintain our military superiority. But I also think it will end up helping productivity. And I think it will end up helping the broader economy as more things are developed in some of these spaces. All right, folks, do go anywhere more with our exclusive interview with Ron DeSantis right after these messages. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. BiteClear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Everywhere in the country, even in the extraordinary economy you have built in Florida, people talk about the labor tightness, how tight the labor market is. What's the key to getting a new generation of workers? Um, and I know you talk a little bit about making trades, uh, the trade uh, professions more desirable, maybe than a, a $200,000 college debt yeah. that Joe Biden wants to pay off for you. Uh, what are some of the ideas you have for fixing the labor market? Well, first of all, um, you know, all, all said and done, I prefer tight to loose labor market because that puts an upward pressure on wages. And yeah. I want people to be able to do that. Now, wages have gone up in the last few years. They just haven't kept up with That's the rise in price. prices. So people yeah. have had a net loss. Um, and so in some respects, you know, I think that, that the tight labor market is good. Now, People have just fallen out of the labor force because of COVID, because they were told you didn't have to work. They were right. paid not to work. Welfare reform, able-bodied adults, particularly men, they need to work. They shouldn't get benefits if they're not willing to work. And so I think that that going back to that, like we had in the 90s, yeah. I think is necessary. Um, I do agree on education. You look at the student debt problem. Now, part of that, like, I don't think taxpayers should pick up the, 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 the debt because you have a truck driver paying the debt for someone that got a degree in gender studies. Yeah. That, that doesn't make sense. However, a lot of these students were sold a bill of goods by the universities. The universities were putting themselves out. Unless you get a degree, you're not going to be successful. Right. And the universities wanted them taking out a lot of loans because they end up plowing it in. So we're going to do two things. One, we are going to deal with the loans by making the universities responsible for loans. If that is the case, you're going to see things like gender studies dry up. They're going to focus on engineering. They're going to focus on things where they know or people will be yeah. gainful employed. So I think making sure college and universities are actually fulfilling the traditional mission and it's not just ideological studies. I think that that's very, very important. On, But I would also shift student aid to vocational training. You can go through some of the technical training, welding, uh, commercial vehicles, all this stuff, you're making like a hundred grand by the time you're 20 with no debt or very little debt. Yeah. That is good. And what ends up what we've seen in Florida. So we doubled apprenticeships in Florida. Right. We've done things like we, we had been producing 600 truck drivers a year through our state college system before I became governor. Now we're doing 3,500. These guys are getting $110,000 to drive job. for Walmart right now. Yeah. And, and the thing is, 
uh, a lot of the people are aging out of that that profession. So if we don't get more people in, yeah. we will have a major shortage, yeah, and that's going to impact shortage. supply chain. It's going to impact logistics. It's going to impact all that stuff. Um, but it's also what kind of economy do you want? If we are saying, which I am saying, I don't want China making everything. I want us to make things, particularly uh, advanced manufacturing. Well, one way you do that, you got to have the tax and regulatory structure to make it make sense. But you need to have the skilled workforce. So it helps feed into something that will give the workers more opportunity and pay, which is great. But it also gives our our, our economy a a boost in terms of expanding our industrial base and our national security a, a boost by expanding our industrial base. Very, very important that we do it. I don't think you can recapture uh, the type of industrial base we want unless you also look at the education feeding in. It's a key component. There are workers in Michigan watching their jobs go to the EV revolution. They're going to go to China. Uh, People who have been around you have told me privately, you talk about you think there's a manufacturing renaissance on the horizon for America. Do you believe that? And if so, how do we get there? Well, first of all, we are not going to force you to do an electric vehicle. I mean, think about it. We have the best oil and gas resources yeah. in the world. China does not. But the EVs, China makes the stuff for the Dude. EVs. Yeah. So you are literally forcing someone into a car they don't want that's more expensive. And then China is going to benefit. And here's the thing. EVs damage the environment, too. It's just you got to look at when when it's the, the whole process. And it's not like they're 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 just clean. There's a lot that goes into it. So a lot of this is ideology. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a big problem. So so we're going to we're going to eliminate that, that from what Biden's trying to do. Save the American automobile and let people make decisions. Look, if you want an EV, I mean, like, you know, Musk makes good cars. That's great. Yeah. Now, I couldn't afford it. A lot of people can't afford that. And, right. but, but if you want it, fine. But do not force people into it and really let the car companies make where there's demand for things. That will absolutely allow um, more jobs in places like Michigan because Ford and these companies, they want to produce more trucks and things, but but the federal government's forcing their behavior. So let's stop doing that and let's go from there. And then I also think we have good opportunities in in space, like in Florida, uh, our Cape Canaveral and that space coast, that's boomed uh, in the last five, 10 years. Yeah. Since I've been governor, it's continuing to grow. You know, there's more and more manufacturing done there. Uh, we're hired, they're hiring kids out of high schools in Florida because we have programs that are feeding into that stuff. So there's a lot of opportunities. Uh, you got to have a good economic climate. Uh, you can't let China steal our technology and take all our jobs. Uh, and you got to have that, that good education feeding in. But yeah, I do think we could do much better. Yeah, it seems like one of the great opportunities ahead of us. The military is another place. You have a fondness for it. Obviously, you served our country great. Um, What does the military need to get out of the rut it's in right now? Well, they have the lowest recruiting since the Vietnam War and the draft ended. And I think the reason is, is because people see the military's lost its way. They're not focused on mission first. They're focused on social experimentation. They're focused on political stuff, woke ideology. That is not a military people want to join. I mean, when I joined, you know, I had a lot of opportunities. I mean, I had worked, I was working minimum wage jobs to get through college and all this stuff. And I had ability to make money. And I was um, a kid that grew up blue collar. So I never really had money. But it was after 9-11. I was like, you know what? I should serve, do do whatever part I can. Um, and, and I did. And there's a sense of pride being able to wear the uniform. Like in Iraq, you know, you have the American flag, yep. um, you know, patch on your on your uniform. And, and the people you're serving with are patriots. And I always felt, um, you know, really glad that I did that. And I think most veterans do that. Today, a lot of veterans come up to me and say, I don't know if I'd want my kids or grandkids joining today's military for what's going on. And so that's a huge, huge problem. So we're going to rip all the politics, the woke, the social experimentation out of the military. It's going back to mission first. And we're going to treat people as individuals based on their merit and the achievement. I don't think someone like General Patton could even make it past Colonel today yeah, because right. like, you know, to get that second, third, fourth star, you got to toe the line yeah. with the politics. And that's been made very clear. It started under Obama, but it's continued. And now I think we're at crisis levels. And so that that will give people, I think, some excitement to join when they see that there's a new sheriff in town. Yeah. And the good thing about, uh, you know, when you're dealing with the military's commander in chief, what you say goes. So you can implement these changes unilaterally yeah. uh, with an executive order and everyone's going to fall in line. So, so we will do that. And I think it'll be a really positive. Th- and here's the thing. We need to build up our naval fleet. We need to do a lot. Are you going to put $150 billion into a woke military? 
not probably something you want to do. But if the military's back to mission first, then that could be something that is a force multiplier yeah, for our country. You get, you get the bang for the buck yeah. then it's not being diverted. Um, I, one last question. Uh, when I interviewed George H.W. Bush at the end of his career, he said something profound, which is you can tell a lot about a leader by the people he's going to surround himself when he gets into office. Have you given some thought to who might be a vice president who'd be in your cabinet? Do you have people you look out and say, those sort of people, they're my type of people. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll just I'll just show you some quality. So, yeah. for example, you know, I'm going to go in new FBI director day one, clean out Department of Justice and weaponization of those. You'll agencies. ask Chris Ray to resign. Yeah, of course. I mean, like, we need to go. Yeah. yeah. So we need we need a house cleaning. So we're yep. going to do that. So, you know, if you're looking at like a, a attorney general to me, uh, you know, you need to be smart, all that stuff, concerned. But you got to have a backbone. That is the most important thing, because when you go in there. The Department of Justice has become the left's little playpen. They think they own it. Uh, you know, 99% donations to Democrats, and they obviously weaponize that um, in ways that that give their side special grace and weaponize it against people they disagree with. So if you're going in there and, and you're clean in house, you are going to be pilloried by CNN, New York Times, Washington Post. So you have to be somebody who relishes that yeah. and knows that when you're getting attacked, that just means you're over the you're target. target. And so if you have that, and I, I would tell the attorney general, I'd say, listen, um, I want you to, to post on your wall every hit piece. And I want you to look at that with a sense of pride, because that means you're, you're doing a good job. If you put someone in that position that wants to be liked by official Washington, they are going to fail. Because yep. the only way to be liked by official Washington is to not do the things yeah. that we all know, all know needs to be done. Also with, say, Secretary of Defense, um, you, know, you have Austin, we had Mattis. And I supported Mattis, um, and it's nothing against him, but I think the idea you take a, a flag or general officer who recently retired and put them as SecDef, I think is a mistake, because yeah. I think you need some professional distance from the, the general officer corps, because you need somebody, yeah, they're going to have military know-how and all that, but you know they may have to slit some throats. And it's a lot harder to do that if these are people that you've trained with in the past yeah. or that you know. So we're going to have somebody out there, you know, be very firm, very strong, but they are going to make sure that we have the best people in the best positions. And there's not going to be necessarily prior relationships that would that would cloud that judgment. I'm not suggesting anyone's done anything wrong, but I mean, you know, it's just human nature. If these are people that yeah. you knew, you're just going to treat them a little bit there's different. So I think and there was a reason why Congress put that in there in the law to say you need a 10 year cooling off period, because I think they saw that. Now, we voted to waive it, and I think that probably wasn't the right thing to do. So, yeah, we will do that. And it's not going to be somebody that's going to end up in the revolving door with the defense industry either. I mean, I think that it needs to be somebody that's separate from that and is going to be able to call the shots for nation's security and not because of some of these other considerations. Last question. Uh, Your old colleagues in the House are thinking about impeaching maybe three people, the Attorney General, the Homeland Security Secretary, maybe Joe Biden now, Kevin McCarthy's warming up to that. Would you rather run against an impeached Joe Biden or would you like to beat him straight up? (laughs) (laughs) I don't, you know, I think ultimately it will beat him either way. It doesn't, doesn't matter. I mean, Clearly, all three of those, you know, there's a basis to proceed. Now, whether they do it or not may end up being a political judgment. But I mean, Mayorkas, I mean, what a dereliction of duty. Attorney General, how partisan, you know, he's been and how he's handled justice. And of course, Biden has been derelict on so many different things and all the corruption. You know, part of the problem is that. This stuff comes out and there's no interest by the FBI and Hunter Biden or doing anything serious. What they're doing to him now are ticky tack yep. compared to all this millions of dollars. So there's just a major lack of accountability. But what I've always said about Biden is this, you know, when he picked Harris, I was like, she is, she's terrible. Why do you do it? But now you look at this situation. Harris is the best impeachment insurance he could ever have, because no matter how yep. bad Biden is, no matter how corrupt he yeah. is, nobody wants Harris. Everybody <laughs> says Harris would just be a disaster. Yeah. And so I think that gives him some insurance in the Senate. If it, if it happened to be there, you know, yep. if you're voting to kind of pull that trigger. You're voting to put Kamala in the big chair. That's a tough vote to take. I mean, you know, yeah. because of how bad she is. So that may be uh, that may be yeah. what he was thinking about. How about that? We have some insight into Joe Biden's sake. If I go. Governor, what a great honor to be yeah, with you. Thank you so, so much, much for the yeah, time. Appreciate- great to be in Tallahassee. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in on a Friday afternoon, just about to begin the month of August, the dog days of summer. But 
We're not slowing down on news. That's why we had Ron DeSantis in the house for the last 40 minutes. I'm so glad you can join us and listen in. We'll have a great weekend of shows tomorrow. Senator Joni Ernst, military veteran, former military service member, very impactful senator from Iowa. She and Chuck Grassley do so much that is meaningful in Congress. She worked for two and a half years to get the United States government to cut off its funding to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. She won. It happened. She did it in legislation and the Biden administration did it administratively. No more tax dollars to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which, as I reported, was tied to so many of the Chinese military illicit programs on chemical weapons and biological weapons, according to our own State Department. Amazing that we'd be funding that group. But Senator Ornst is going to describe that. That'll be a pretty amazing thing. And then we're going to do a deep dive on the EnviroCleanse product that I've been using. It is such a game changer. I asked him to come on and help me understand why am I breathing better? Why am I feeling better? You're going to have that. And then John Zadrozny, former Homeland Security Advisor to President Trump in the White House, one of the true border experts. He's going to help us understand the shell game that the Biden administration is playing with numbers to make you think Illegal immigration is going down when it's still at historic highs. He'll explain that as well. Great show for a Saturday afternoon. Until then, God bless you. Have a great night. Remember to go to ekpure.com if you want to get a great big savings on the EnviroCleanse air cleaner. Hear more about that tomorrow, but all you got to do, go there. And, of course, you can use the promo code JUSTNEWS to save some money. All right, folks, have a great Friday evening. God bless you, and thank you for tuning in. It's Amanda Head, and I am thrilled to introduce to you my new exciting podcast, Furthermore, with Amanda Head, broadcasting weekly from sunny Los Angeles, California, and brought to you by the dynamic Just the News Podcast Network. On this fresh and engaging podcast, I delve into the latest news with a little bit of a twist, exploring the furthermore of every story. But this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill news commentary or politically charged program. I interview a diverse range of guests, including business leaders, entertainers, musicians, educators, experts, politicians, and many influential figures from both the United States and around the world. So why not make your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays a little more interesting? Tune in on your preferred podcast platform and discover furthermore with Amanda Head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to hit that follow or subscribe button and be sure to download the latest episodes. I can't wait to have you join me on this exciting journey. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.